I'm excited to share the word of the Lord with you today, uh, something that uh, I really felt like God was speaking into my spirit this week, and something I really want us to get a, get a hold of um, as, tight as, as tight as we possibly can. And that is, enough is enough. Enough is enough. Because I think, as I've, as I've been praying this week, too many people are going through life right now feeling weak, feeling incapable, feeling inadequate. And those feelings are literally just limiting their purpose while they're here on earth. And I think it requires us to make a stance to say enough is enough. We're going to walk this thing out. We're going to live this life out. Doesn't matter what distractions are there. Doesn't matter what everyone else has said about my situation. We're going to say enough is enough. Amen. So uh, before I get into this, I'll tell you a little story um, that um, every time that I've worked on this, and it doesn't necessarily, it kind of goes with it. You'll, it'll work. Just trust me, okay? Just go with me for a minute here. Um, Beth and I served at church camp. Beth, Kim, and I um, served at church camp about three weeks ago, I think, maybe two or three weeks ago. Um, and uh, I was a cabin leader for a group of boys between the ages of six and ten, Okay. Um, I'm fortunate that I already had lost all the hair off of my head. Um, otherwise I would have ripped it out. Uh, <laughs> I, so I, I got these seven boys between the ages of six and 10, um, that literally worked really, really hard to destroy my soul. Um, huh. and what's so funny about it is, uh, we went through the week and Bethany and Kim are like, well, me and the girls went, we did our Bible study and we had this just great chat, just great talk, and this little girl got saved, and all of this, and I'm like, my boys are trying to kill each other, like, <laughs> and they apparently don't let guys be girl cabin leaders for some weird reason, so I'm like, I know this is what the future continues to look like for me, and so I, I go through this week, and I'm, I'm working with these boys, and we're, we're doing, I mean, we're having a good time, right, the boys are having a great time, and we're doing all this, and I am not kidding you. Uh, I'm in the final 15 minutes. The fi it's the fi I'm like, at, I can see the ribbon at the end of the race, okay? And so we're literally just waiting for parents to come pick kids up. That's it. That's all we're waiting for. It's the most exciting part. I've got more energy than I've ever had. Like, I'm like, hi, your crib. They were amazing, you know? Um, and uh, <laughs> I had to pray for forgiveness for that one. But, um, but literally... Uh, in the last 15 minutes, I only have Judah, which Judah was a saint. I can't say anything bad about that kid, okay? He's my kid, so I, I'm a little partial, but still, he was amazing. But in the final, final 15 minutes, I have two boys that are cousins, okay? One is 10, one is 7, I think. And I literally am, am delivering another kid to a parent um, when I turn around and I see the 10-year-old with a water bottle, half filled with water, go like this and slam him in the face with the lid and blood just everywhere. And I literally like, I, I don't even know if I want to go back in. You know what I mean? Like I was kind of like, they could probably figure it out. Judah's in there. He can figure it out, right? Like, do I have to go back in? <laughs> and it's funny because as I've worked on this all week long and I've wrote down enough is enough, I keep going back to that moment where I was like, that's enough boys, you know? And I like lose my mind there. Uh, but, but really in that moment, as I think about that, we don't do that enough with the devil. 
We don't take our stance enough to say enough is enough. This is where I've drawn the line. You are not coming into my family anymore. You are not coming into my situation anymore. We, we, we don't do that enough. And I believe that that's what God is speaking to us today, that we are going to get back to this, okay? So we measure all of these metrics of our life, okay, Ex- by the experience of those around us. We measure our life based off of their experiences. We look at so many things and we determine where we fall in their trail of success or aligned to the American dream the way that it's supposed to look. Right? We know that we have to graduate high school, then maybe college. Then we got to get a great job. We got to find a great guy or a great girl. We got to get engaged. We then got to get married. We have to get a pet first because it kind of like prepares you for a kid, right? It's like, it's like get a kid, get a kid or a pet first. Then you have a kid or four. I mean, we, I mean no one's counting really uh, except for us. Um, you got to raise them perfectly. You got to feed them perfectly. You got to clothe them perfectly. You got to discipline them perfectly. You got to drive a Ford. Yes. It's working. It's working for me. <laughs> you got to become incredibly wealthy. You got to travel the world. You got to volunteer for every single change. You got you to do all of this stuff. The list goes on and on. The problem we're having is too many people are evaluating earthly experiences to determine kingdom value. We are looking at earthly experiences to determine kingdom value. And the problem with that is this perspective is it's getting people away from being able to be valuable to the kingdom because they're choosing that they can't be valuable to the kingdom. Because they look at their value on earth and they determine it's not good enough. That's not the way the kingdom works. And let me tell you, that's exactly what Satan wants you to believe, is that because you don't meet that American dream, because you haven't followed that exact same path, that you're not valuable enough to be important to the kingdom of God. That's what the enemy wants you to believe. And we are not going to stand on that lie. So I believe that today we're going to proclaim something over ourselves, over our lives, over our purposes, our needs, our lack, our health, whatever it is. And we're going to say enough is enough. Amen? Amen. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10. I want to talk to you first about your value in the kingdom. Matthew chapter 10, this is a, a, a going to be a pretty familiar passage to you. We're going to be reading verses 29 through 31 here. And it's, it's going to be very familiar. It's not going to be something strange and crazy, and you're going to be like, wow, Tom really did this from um, um, created the earth. No, just follow me here, okay? Matthew 10, 29 through 31 says this. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny, and not one of them fall to the ground apart from your father? But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Now, I get it. I'm, I know. I'm just, just get it out of your system now, Brian. <laughs> it's not much counting to do over here. I get it. <laughs> it says, even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore. You are of more value. Say more value. Than many sparrows. See, When you look at this, you need to get this very important piece of information into your spirit. Your value is not determined by your worth on earth. See that worth, earth? See that? That's pretty good, wasn't it? Yeah. Alliteration's great. Your value isn't determined by your worth on earth. And Satan would have you to believe that your value is so wrapped up in so many of the status symbols that our culture craves to put on top of us. 
right? Your clothes, your cars, your house, your job, your family, your hair, all of these things, right, <laughs> that matter. But what people find valuable isn't typically what God's fi- God finds valuable. And we are getting caught up and consumed by this, this currency of the world as opposed to the currency of the kingdom. And we have got to change our perspective, and we've got to decide within ourselves, enough is enough. I'm not going to continue looking at the Joneses and determine whether I have value. I'm not going to consider looking at my past and de- determine that because of my past that I do not have value. The hardest thing about this for Beth and I is that we can't cram it down your face, okay? <laughs> there are so many times that we just want to shake people and be like, can you just get it, Right? And you have to, within yourself, say, you know what? I'm going to get this. I'm going to get this in my spirit so that I don't walk around living this life the way that I've been living my life. Because there is purposes, rich purposes for you in living a life knowing that you are enough. Okay? Ephesians 2. I know I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send you guys a little bit all over the place. I meant to tell you to buckle up, and I forgot. So if you haven't buckled, please do so now um, to keep yourself safe. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 through 7, okay? It says this, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love which he loved us, I'm going to say that again, because of the great love with, with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. You need to understand this. The love that God has for you isn't predicated on anything. It's not. Nothing you've done, nothing you've said, nothing you've sowed into, nothing you've served at, nothing. Because it says here, it's because of the great love with which he loved us. See, we get caught up in thinking that we have to do and do and earn and earn. And we know that the word speaks against that, right? We know that the word says that, again, we are going to be doers of the word, right? We've talked about that. We understand that. But even when we were dead in our trespasses, this is the love and mercy which he showed us. And still we struggle with doing that for ourselves. See, it's not based on the amount of love that you have for him or how much money that you've given to the church or how much you've done anything else, guys. Or how many mission trips? Listen, none of it. God's love for you is based off of his great love. That's it. That's it. So when you start to look at other things and determine if you're valuable enough to be loved, you need to understand he loved you before in our church culture, it would have told you that you were lovable, right? Because here, you were dead in your trespasses. So knowing this, I want you to understand that you are enough. But likewise, we have to understand the other side of that coin. Everyone that we see, everyone that we encounter, everyone that we meet, they're enough. It doesn't matter how bad, how filthy, how awful, how rotten they are. They are enough, guys. And we, listen, 
I've told you the story about how uh, years ago um, I was unemployed for two years. And I told you, I, th I think I've told you guys most of the story that um, the company, they wanted me to, um, they wanted me to uh, fire a lady um, for literally no cause. Um, and what they asked me to do um, was just, just tell her whatever. And when that happened, um, you know, it was, it was crazy because I had already known that some of the other leaders had told me that the owner of the company didn't like the lady that I hired because he wasn't crazy about her physical appearance. And so um, Bethany and I did what we do every time that we have to have an important family meeting and talk about things. We went to Chipotle, and uh, it was glorious. Um, and I sat down with her, um, and I said, Bethany, we, we got to talk about this. Um, and I explained to her what's happening. And at that point, I said to her, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. And she said, yeah, you do. You're going to go back there, and you're going to quit, and you're going to walk away. And I was like, yeah, that is what I'm going to do. Good idea. Uh, <laughs> and I, um, I went back to the office, and I packed everything in my box and just started packing things up. And the owner of the company came to me, and uh, he, you know, he kind of gave me a little powwow and said, hey, look, we, we want you to open this office and do all these great things and huge things for you, huge opportunities for you. Don't leave over this. This is silly. Just trust me on this. I've been doing this for a long time. And I said, well, then just trust me. Like, you hired me. Like, if you trust me, then just let me handle this. And uh, um, at the end of the day, there was no change. So I said, I'm done, and I walked out. Um, I guess that was probably early afternoon. I probably walked out, actually. And uh, later that day, he had someone else bring that lady in and fire her for no good reason. And that night, I got a phone call from her, and she was just sobbing. And she said, you know, when you walked out of the office, no one understood what was going on. No one understood why you left. No one understood why you would do that, why, why you would just disappear, and you were doing all these great things. We were so confused as to why that happened. She said, until I sat in that room, and they did that to me. And she said to me, all my life, no one has ever stood up for me. She said, my entire life I have gone through, my parents never stood up for me. No one ever stood up for me. And she said, for the first time in my life, I felt like, wow, someone really cares. And she knew that we were youth pastors, and she knew where our hearts were. She actually used to come to a Bible study that we did years ago at another company that we worked at. And even her sons called me days later to say, thank you for standing up for my mom like that. Thank you for loving her because no one's ever shown us that type of love. Guys, we, we have to start showing love in a crazy way, okay? In an absolute crazy way. I, I believe that we are way past due for a revival of grace and love. We, we, listen, people in our community, they need us. We had an amazing day yesterday in our community, just an amazing day. But guys, th that is not it. That's not where it stops, okay? We have to continue to pour. We have to continue to love. We have to continue to show them the type of love that they've never experienced. See, we get too frustrated. We get frustrated at our neighbors because their yard looks like garbage. <laughs> we get frustrated because the car in front of us drives slower than we would like to, or the car behind us is driving faster than we want them to, Right? We get so caught up in all this stuff, and we've just got to get back to loving people with a radical love so that they can say, what is wrong with your face? Why do you love me so much? That's what we want. We want people to be like, why are you so generous? 
Like that's, that's the type of love we want people to, because that's, that's what Jesus did. The Pharisees walked around following him saying, what is wrong with you? Why are you doing this? Why are you doing, why are you showing them grace? They don't deserve, listen, none of us deserve grace, but we get it because of his great love. We've got to get past that. We've got to get past this, okay? But part of, part of knowing that you are enough is there's, there's this little key element that I think is so important that so many of us miss. We need to begin speaking that we are enough. We need to begin speaking life over our situations, over where, listen, turn with me to Proverbs chapter 12. It, it, we have to begin speaking enough. Listen, your words are so incredibly important. Okay. Now I'm not talking about speaking it into existence like, you know, I really hope uh, Jimmy's Hummer becomes a nice F-350. I'm not talking about that, okay? Don't get all weird and crazy with me, okay? But I'm talking about how we speak. It, it literally does. It changes things, guys. Proverbs 12, verses 6 and 7 says this. The words of the wicked lie in wait for blood. Now I'll tell you, if you watch comment sections on Facebook, you can find those that are waiting for someone to say something just wrong to them pounce, right? <laughs> that happens a lot. But it goes on to say the speech of the upright rescues them. It rescues them. The wicked are overthrown and are no more, but the house of the righteous stands firm. So what speech do you have? Is your speech beginning to rescue others. You know, how, how do we respond in these moments of, listen, it's okay to be passionate about things. I'm passionate about a lot of different things, okay? But sometimes what we find ourselves doing, because we live in this culture like this, we begin to speak such negativity about ourselves and about our own lives that we can't ever possibly see this reality where we're in joy. Ladies, Stop speaking negatively about yourselves. I'll tell you right now, nothing drives me madder than that. Bethany knows it. It drives me absolutely insane. And I'm blessed that I have three little girls because what I have said from the get-go is that God blessed me with three little girls so that they will know how beautiful, how amazing they are, and how richly they are loved. They need that, and you need to begin speaking life, every single one of us, life over your situation, life over where you are, life over the life that you are in now. You know what? Sometimes it doesn't look good, right? It looks bad. It looks awful. But God, listen, when we begin to use our tongue in such a way that it honors him, you know what it does? It rescues those that are in trouble. It rescues them. James 3 I'm going to read verses 5 and 6, okay? This is a very familiar passage, guys. James 3, 5 and 6 says, So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. Guys, this does not sound good, right? This is like, this is like, if the doctor came out and it said, I have bad news about your tongue. It is a fire. It is a world of unrighteousness. It's staining your entire body and is setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. You'd be like, oh, 
what? What did you just say? <laughs> and you know, it's, as, as I read this, I began thinking about um, uh, a few years back, you, some of you guys know that um, the Pendergrass family, we all decided that we were going to take a trip to Gatlinburg and we were going to stay in the mountains. We were having the first big family. I mean, huge, I mean, everyone was there, right? Family, we're, we're going to have the most amazing time. We got meal shifts set up. We got arcades in this place. It is awesome. It is awesome. We are so excited, okay? We actually got upgraded. So, like, the, the lodge we were in, they were like, I'm sorry we overbooked it, so we have to take you to a bigger one. And we're like, oh. Um, and so, amazing, right? So, we're so excited. The next morning, Bethany and I are on food duty that day, and so we're just, we're cooking up biscuits and great. I mean, we're doing it up, right? It's great, all right? We're having a blast. And I kept looking outside. I was like, it is so weird that in uh, November, it was November, right? Um, in November, um, it's already snowing in Gatlinburg, and that doesn't, that doesn't feel like Gatlinburg-y, right? Um, and uh, we, uh, we continue to sit there. And uh, I was like, I, I'm going to go outside and look at this. I was like, what is this? And it was ashes falling from the sky. And we were like, well, that's weird. Why are there ashes coming from the sky? Like, I don't remember reading that. Um, and uh, then, of course, we found out about the wildfires and, uh, um, and that, oh, my gosh, Gatlinburg is on fire. And uh, it was okay. We just went through the day. We're like, well, we don't, I mean, they're not telling us to leave. They're not telling us to do anything. So we're just going to keep cooking food until about noonish when all the power went out in the place. We're like, that's probably not good. You know, that's like, it's not normal. Um, so the power goes out and then night comes. And at night it became very real because I don't know if you're familiar, but if a fire was burning over there right now, you might be able to see it. When it's dark and a fire is burning, you can see it very well. Okay. And as night fell, we could see the mountain across, um, literally across the lot from us, was roaring of fire. And we're like, that's not good. And we just continue to watch it, and these hurricane winds are coming through. It's crazy. Um, I mean, wind just all through my hair. And then literally <laughs> over on the other side, all of a sudden, another fire pops up. So we've got fire on this way roaring down. We've got fire on this way roaring down. Bethany is seven months pregnant. Um, it's, it's perfect. Great day. Great day. But as we continued to watch it, this, this wind came gusting through. And every time that wind would gust through, the flames would get bigger. And you could just see them getting crazy huge, okay? And what I'm telling you is that sometimes that little fire that started, sometimes you started it within your own life. And unfortunately, sometimes you're letting all kinds of people fan that flame. And as we watched that fire roaring down, it was crazy, guys. It was absolutely. But you know what? Some of us, we're standing there, and we've got a fire roaring all around us. And we're not willing to just stay there and say, enough is enough. No longer am I going to talk about myself like this. No longer am I going to live like this. No longer am I going to continue to try to live this out without actually honoring God. I'm going to just draw the line and say, enough is enough. We have to, listen, we have to make that decision because you're enough. You're already enough. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to work it up. Turn with me to 2 Samuel. This is going to be your last turn with me, okay? I promise. 2 Samuel chapter 23. Because here's, here's what I believe in the word. I believe that the enemy wants nothing more than for you to feel inadequate for the task ahead, for the life ahead. He wants to throw every reason as to why you can't 
and nothing about why you can. The enemy won't ever tell you you could do a great job with that, right? He won't. But you have to remember that you are more valuable than sparrows and how he loves them. Second Samuel chapter 23. This is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. Some of you don't know this. Some of you have maybe heard this. This is about a, a man by the name of Shama. Now, Bethany and I always said that if we had another boy, his name would be Shama because we love this story so much. I love it, okay? Verse 11 says this, And next to him was Shama, the son of Aji, the Herorite. The Philistines gathered together at Lehi, where there was a plot of ground full of lentils. And the men, being the Israelites, fled from the Philistines. They fled from the Philistines. But he, that is Shama, but he took his stand in the midst of the plot and defended it and struck down the Philistines. And the Lord worked a great victory. See, we have gotten so caught up We've become some guilty of running from our purposes, running from our victories because they seem unsurmountable. But God is looking for some of us who are willing to claim what is rightfully ours and that when the enemy comes up against us, we are not willing to retreat. We are going to take our stand. We are going to say that enough is enough. We are going to, to protect that field of promise, that field of delivery, that field of salvation, that field of provision, whatever it is, and we are going to defend it, and we are not going to allow the enemy to take one more inch. We have to do that. We have to be the ones to step out and do that because, listen, there are people that are dying because we're refusing to protect the field. We've retreated from the field. Listen, that lentil was provision for the Israelites. They needed that. And all of a sudden, they were just walking away to let the enemy just take. Listen, we have let the enemy come in and take too much from the kingdom of God. And it's time for us to say, enough is enough. If you would stand with me as we get ready to close. Listen, in our, in our situation, guys, and where we are, and what we are doing as a church, God is continuing to take us deeper, okay? He's teaching us things. He's, he's bringing us into things. But I'll tell you what, I, and I always find myself coming back to the foundational stuff because it's so important. Because if we can't get the foundation strong, guys, we can't do the rest of it. And I'm telling you, I want you to get this so much that you are enough. I don't care what anyone else has said. I don't care what anyone else has spoken about you. And I'll tell you is that in the church for too long, we have been afraid of letting down our guards and showing that we're weak, showing that we've been vulnerable, showing that we've got some jacked up stuff that we need to get taken care of, guys. And I'll, I want to tell you this story about this boy in my cabin, this little boy in my cabin. When they dropped him off, they said, listen, he's going to get crazy homesick. When he gets homesick, just call us and we'll come get him. I don't send any boys home, okay? Not even if they bust another kid in the face with a water bottle. <laughs> and I began, we were walking to church, me and this boy, and he had been playing and he was loving games. And he was a little rowdy, a little crazy. 
And we were walking to church, and he had his, I mean, he had his arms crossed, and he's doing one of these, and he's pouting all the way to church, you know, just, just giving it to me. And he says, I don't want to go to church. And uh, um, I said, well, bud, it's going to be fun. Trust me, you're going to have a good time. I don't want to go to church. I don't want to. I just want to go home. I want to go home. Send me home. I want, but I don't send people home. You're stuck with me. You got the wrong cabin leader, bro. Oh, you know, he's moping all the way. We get into church, and we do altar call. And as, we're, as I'm sitting there and I'm praying for this little boy, he comes up to me. And he says, will you pray that I love church? And I was like, no, get back in line. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I said, absolutely, bud. And he didn't pout the rest of the week about going to church. He went. He enjoyed it. He danced. He did it all. He loved it, right? And I'll tell you that for a lot of us, we're afraid to let down our guard and let someone pray about our situation because, listen, if you think about it from that little boy's perspective, if, if, if he thought about it, hey, I'm going to um, my, my pastor this week and I'm telling him, I don't like this. <laughs> Please don't come tell me that. <laughs> Bethany gets to tell me that, but I try to limit that as much as I can. But you know what? He came and he told something that was on his heart. I had another little boy came and just sobbing uncontrollably asking me to pray for his dog because his dog was hurt so bad. It was beautiful. It was vulnerable for them, right? We got to start being like those children, guys. We got to be, we got, listen, th if this isn't a safe place for us to fall on our face here and cry out to God, then we've got it all wrong. Every piece of this. I don't care how great worship is. I don't care how much you take from the work. Guys, if we can't be vulnerable as individuals in this corporate body, then we've got it wrong. You are so valuable and God wants you to let go of some things. He wants to open up a new reality for you that you have, you have yet to experience. And part of that comes by changing your speech and saying, you know what, I'm not going to speak these lies of the enemy over my life anymore. I am not going to do that. And I listen, I believe that God has sent me here to remind you of this. Enough is enough. Stop. Stop feeding into it. Stop allowing it to control you. Stop allowing it to take you deeper into a place that you don't want to go. You have to draw that line, and you have to proclaim that enough is enough. We're taking back our promises. We're taking back our lives. We're taking back our families, and we are not backing down because enough is enough.